Welcome to the Kinetic Enterprise, built to evolve, presented by Deloitte. Your host for the program is Bonnie D. Graham. This program will set up your business for the future with topics centered on the four pillars of the Kinetic Enterprise. We'll focus on case studies and best practices designed to move you to the next level. Now, here is Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome to an exciting new podcast series sponsored by Deloitte, titled The Kinetic Enterprise Built to Evolve. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. I'm your host and moderator, and we're thrilled to have this brand new series debut here in a new year, 2020, and some say a new decade. Let me tell you a little bit about The Kinetic Enterprise. Built to Last has been the prevailing paradigm for business, but it has its limitations. What does it imply? It implies the transformation is a one-time journey with a single destination. It also implies that what we know about businesses today remains true eternally. But with the pace of disruption increasing at all levels of business, and you and our listening audience know this is true, here's the truth. The journey never really ends. Deloitte advocates a paradigm shift. Listen up. From built to last to built to evolve. Very important differentiation. This new vision is not about a perfect end state, but about ready capability. It's not about a single destination, but about any destination. Stick around with us. You're going to hear from Deloitte and senior IT executives from a range of wonderful companies about how businesses can shift and need to shift. And we're underscoring that one toward the kinetic enterprise. Let me just give a little note here. I was interested in what the word kinetic means, and it's a word from physics. So kinetic energy, K-E, of an object is the energy it possesses due to its motion. It is the work needed to accelerate a body of a given mass from rest to its stated velocity. Having gained this energy during acceleration, the body maintains this kinetic energy until its speed changes. That's all very optimistic. And I have a quick quote here from Ginny Romady, the chair, president, and CEO of IBM, the first woman to head IBM. And listen up. The quote is, growth and comfort do not coexist. What a great way to start. I have a panel of very, very sharp, smart, articulate people who are going to talk about what kinetic enterprise means to them. Let me just tell you who they are, and then I will ask each of my special guests to introduce themselves. First up in a moment, we'll be hearing from Darwin Diano, Principal at Deloitte Consulting LLP and SAP Chief Technology Officer. We're also speaking today with Rita Fisher, CIO and Senior Vice President of Supply Chain of Reynolds Consumer Products and Corrado Azarita, Global CIO at Kraft Heinz. We also have Dan Herlihy, Vice President, Business Engagement and Emerging Business at Constellation Brands. And rounding out this wonderful panel is Trenton Cycle, VP of Business Technology for Citrix. So welcome to everyone. Happy New Year. Darwin, why don't you introduce yourself? Take about a minute and a half and tell us what you do. Thanks, Bonnie. Uh, so, hi, I'm Darwin Diano. I am the SAP Chief Technology Officer for Deloitte. I focus on leading the technology and innovation strategy, reimagining the modern enterprise architecture ecosystem through a convergence of Deloitte's industry thought leadership, business transformation experience, broader technology capabilities, and strategic alliances with the SAP Next Generation platform and broader exponential technologies. So, very, very happy to be here and very, very humbled to be joined by my my esteemed colleagues uh, uh, from the business. Thank you very much, Darwin. Let's hear from Rita Fisher. Welcome, Rita. Why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are and what your background is? 
Thanks, Bonnie. Very excited to join this podcast with amazing leaders from other mm-hmm. industries. Again, my Rita Fisher, I'm a CIO and SVP of Supply Chain of Reynolds Consumer Products. I'm responsible for all aspects of company supply chain and information technology, including digital strategies, policies, programs, transformations, leading to enhanced financial results and customer loyalty. I joined RCP two years ago from Kraft Heinz, where um, I've, I have been with the company for 22 years. Most recently as a vice president and head of global business services, where I led creation of global business services for the company. As as an experienced IT and business leader, I served Mm -hmm. in many regional and global roles, uh, both IT as well as business functions in sales, finance, supply chain, manufacturing, and HR. Thank you very much, Rita. Pleasure to have you. I'm very, very impressed with your background. Thank you for joining us. And now let's move on to Corrado Azarita. Corrado, tell me who you are. Thanks, Bonnie. Hello, everyone. So um, I started my IT career in Procter & Gamble in 1995, and I spent uh, 21 years over there. I, I had some several regional and global assignments. I was the CEO of uh, Procter & Gamble in Italy, of a joint venture over there. But uh, most specifically in the last 10 years of my career, I specialized in uh, business intelligence, analytics, and artificial intelligence. In 2016, I moved to Mondelez International, and in 2017, I joined Kraft Heinz. Kraft Heinz, I was leading a group called Global Functions IT, so I was responsible for the IT strategy in several areas, including supply chain, finance, uh, HR, and uh, mainly analytics. In uh, 2019, October 2019, I took over the global CIO position, and I look forward to uh, implementing artificial intelligence in craft times to improve the efficiency and effectiveness of my company. Thank you very much, Carrado. Pleasure to have you on. Darwin, I'm so impressed by your panel. We have two more to introduce here. Dan Hurley, join us and tell us what you do, Dan. Hi, thank you. This is Dan Hurley. Thank you for having me. Um, mm-hmm. I have been with Constellation Brands for 22 years. I started off in the business uh, for a few short years within their supply chain organization and then moved into IT and, and, and grew my career through there. Um, currently, I'm responsible for um, all application delivery within the organization as well as corporate or business engagement or corporate environment. Um, I have a, a long history in mergers and acquisitions as well as the different business functions, supply chain, marketing, sales, um, HR and legal, and delivering against initiatives in that for the organization. Thank you very much. Pleasure to have you on, Dan. And let's round out the panel with Trenton Cycle. Trenton, welcome and tell us what you do. Thanks, thanks, Bonnie, and th- thanks for having me on this panel. What, a, mm-hmm. what an awesome, what an awesome lineup of uh, expertise, and exciting to talk about <clears throat> this topic as we kick off the new year. So, um, yeah, my name is Trent Cycle, and I'm re- responsible for business technology solutions at Citrix uh, globally. Uh, been in the technology industry for just over 20 years, and uh, in, in the current role I'm in. Uh, responsible for teams that architect and operate business solutions for Citrix that secure, uh, deliver uh, security platforms as well as solutions that help make uh, employees productive while scaling the Citrix business. Uh, this includes analytic and uh, artificial intelligence platforms that help uh, dr- 
drive a lot more fluid enterprises uh, uh, solutions uh, for the company. So thanks again for having me. Very excited. Oh, Pleasure. Excited, too. We love new series, new energy, new points of view, and, and kinetic is such an important word. Darwin, what I'd like to do next is start with you and to our listeners. I've asked each of our special panelists to send me a quote, not in their own words. We're going to hear a lot from each of them in their own words, but a quote from a famous person, a book, a movie, a song that crystallizes what they feel about this concept of energy in enterprise transformation. So I'm going to read each quote just briefly with a little bit of background on the source, although they're fascinating sources, and ask each panelist who sent the quote, the person who sent the quote, to just explain briefly how it relates to our topic of the kinetic enterprise. So Darwin Deanna was sent us a quote from uh, the book by Dan Millman, Way of the Peaceful Warrior, a book that changes lives, and the character is called Socrates. It's not the original philosopher Socrates. He is seen at an all-night gas station as an old man from the dreams of of Dan in the semi-autobiographical book. Here's the quote. The secret of change is to focus all your energy, not on fighting the old, but on building the new. Beautiful quote. Darwin, what does this mean to our discussion of the kinetic enterprise, please? Thanks, Bonnie. Well, the kinetic enterprise represents a big departure from the traditional thinking in business. And with any big change, the tendency is to play not to lose instead of playing to win. So I thought that this quote was very appropriate because it really emphasizes the fact that, you know what, you have to let go of what you've done so far and really focus on what you're going to do and how you're going to evolve your business to become a kinetic enterprise. Thank you very much. Beautiful quote. Rita Fisher has sent us another wonderful quote, this one from Baldwin Spencer. Uh, Rita, I think of him as a young man. He was born October 8, 1948. I'm not going to make a comment on the year, but my birthday is the day before. He was the third prime minister of Antigua and Barbuda from 2004 to 2014. And here's the quote. We, too, must change as circumstances evolve. Rita, how does this make you think about the kinetic enterprise? So I want to start by saying kinetic enterprise, it's all about digital, it's all about disruption, it's all about creating possibilities for the company through data analytics, AI, and a lot of new technologies with acceleration of change. As change is accelerating, as the level of information is multiplying, um, as explosion and mass adoption of technology becoming a reality, what kind of leaders we need to become? So this quote reminds me of the leader for change, change for the better, um, and how do we need to stand up and who do we need to be as a leaders of this change? Thank you very much. Great quote, Rita. Next up, Corrado Azarita said, does a quote from Peter H. Diamandis, also a reasonably young man, born in May of 1961. He is a Greek-American engineer, physician, and entrepreneur, best known as the founder and chairman of the XPRIZE Foundation, co-founder and executive chair of Singularity University, and co-author of the New York Times bestsellers. There were so many, but abundance of future is better than you think, and bold. How to go big, create wealth, and impact the world. Here's the quote. You either disrupt your own company or someone else will. Corrado, please tell me more about this quote. 
Well, I love this quote because it's, uh, it's a reminder. So at the risk of oversimplifying, I would say that the opposite of the kinetic, kinetic enterprise, it's a complacent enterprise, an enterprise that mm. thinks that they have reached the end state. So this quote is a reminder that this is not the case. You have always to think of ways in which you can disrupt your business and do things in a drastically different way. Because if you don't do this, someone else will do it. So this is a reminder that the kinetic strategy is the only strategy going forward. Thank you. I love the way you introduced the word complacent, Karat. It reminds me of an old quote that's not on the show today, but it's something about not resting on your laurels. You're right. And that's part of what I, I mentioned in the introduction. It's not a one-time journey. It's not a single destination. It's evolving. And that's part of what we're talking about. Thank you, Carrado. Wonderful quote. Dan Hurley, you're up next. And Dan has sent us a in-your-face quote from Mike Tyson. Mike Gerard Tyson, born in 1966, really. American former pro boxer who competed from 1985 to 2005. The undisputed world heavyweight champion. And the record is the youngest boxer to win a heavyweight title at age 20 years, 4 months, and 22 days old. I have a feeling that that was very important to the title. So here's the quote from Mike. I love this one. Everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. Dan, that's a very, uh, very visual quote. Tell me how you picked that one today. Well, I think what I like about it is the simplicity, and I think people can relate to it. And it's about being adaptable and changing. If, if it was as simple as having a plan, be it your strat plan, a technology plan, um, plans that drive your five and 10 year plan, it, it would everybody would be able to uh, run through that scenario and, and end where they want. But life changes, disruption occurs, um, different organizations will come into to your industry and change it, and you need to be able to adjust and move and use your um, abilities and your and your people to to make that change to to what that future state is going to be. And I thought this quote really described really directly what you need to be able to do once situations change. Thank you very much. Wonderful quote. I always get such a kick out of hearing that one. You almost want to want to recoil when you hear that, don't you, Dan? You want to pull back when you, you can see him yeah. getting punched. In the- <laughs> Whoa, not me. Thank you. Let's go to Trenton Cycle, and Trenton has sent us a quote from Yoda. It's wonderful. This is our first fictional quote source today, Trenton. Yoda, fictional character in the Star Wars universe, first appearing in the 1980 film The Empire Strikes Back. He's a small green humanoid alien with tremendous power in the Force and the spirit of the Jedi Master Obi-Wan Kenobi. I saw that movie. Describes Yoda as the Jedi Master who trained him. We'll leave it at that. Anybody who doesn't know who Yoda is, look it up. Y-O-D-A. Here's the quote. Another great one. You must unlearn what you have learned. Trent, this is giving me goosebumps. It's a great quote. Talk to me. Yeah, so uh, with the kinetic enterprise, uh, this, this quote, I think, puts people at the center of change. And for the enterprise to change, each individual is going to have to learn new skills and adapt and be adjusted uh, with what they're doing. And, and the fact is, we're, we're actually at a, at a skills, complete skills mismatch to start with, uh, much less uh, as we transform into more of a kinetic dynamic uh, enterprise. And there's a lot of talent wars going on out there and a lot of challenges with having the right people uh, within our organizations. And I, I think it's going to be an important part of driving change and adapting quickly for, for companies to, to scale and move forward. 
Thank you very much. Quick question for you, uh, Trenton, on that one. Do you think this applies mostly to people who have been in business for a long time? You must unlearn what you have learned rather than, oh, we talk about the millennials. Well, the millennials are turning 40 and they have been around for a little while and a lot of them are in leadership positions. We may even have some millennials on this panel. So do you think this is a lesson for everybody, meaning even something you learned in business school that you have to unlearn that? Just a quick thought from you, Trenton. Yeah, no, I, th- I think it's a combination uh, because mm-hmm. I think the most successful enterprises are, are more of a blended environment where, um, you know, you you retain a lot of the past and the, the history of companies because there's a lot of success in that, but then you have to apply that blended knowledge of, of sort of the newness. And, and, qu- and quite honestly, even for millennials, uh, I think there's a rapid state of, of change in skills, uh, more rapid now. Uh, so what they learned six months ago is probably going to need to be relearned in a new way as well. So uh, I think it applies to everyone in, in the enterprise. Very good point. Thank you for that. I appreciate the quotes. I'm very impressed with the quotes each of you chose. This is uh, This is something that sometimes people have to think a lot about, and I know that you all had a good time finding ways to explain kinetic enterprise through the words of somebody else. I appreciate that. Darwin, this is the part of the show where I have asked each of the panelists to send me some discussion statements of what's important to each of you about this topic. We've already heard your thoughts through your opening quotes, but now we're going to get down to business conversation, really. So, Darwin, I'm going to read the first statement you sent me, ask you to take about a minute and a half to expand it, explain it, and then I'm going to open it up briefly to the whole panel. I'll just say, panelists, anybody want to jump in with a comment, agree or disagree? If I don't hear from anybody, then I will go on to a statement from Rita Fisher's list, and we'll, we'll proceed that way. So chime in whenever you want once I open it up. Okay, Darwin, here's what you told me. You say, as of July 2019, which was just, what, five months ago? We have surpassed the longest period of economic expansion in all of recorded financial history, Businesses need to be prepared to navigate a recession. That's provocative. Darwin, tell us a little bit more, please. Well, it's really interesting because if you look at how we close 2019, everyone is predicting 2-plus percent growth for 2020. In fact, some, although not as popular, are even predicting an even better 2021 so it looks like the growth train continues, but actually that just exacerbates the challenge. What do I mean by that? The vast majority mm-hmm. of the business executives in place today have not led during a downtime. It's been more than 10 years of growth, and that softens you. It makes you think you can institutionalize business practices where, in fact, that will actually slow you down from evolving when the recession starts. I, I really like what Trenton said, which is there is a skills mismatch, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody who is in power today have not yet led the business through a recession, and that's a challenge. And I think that is a call to action for all businesses to take a close look at their at, at their strategies and redefine how do they become a kinetic enterprise body. Mm, good point there. Anybody want to jump in, agree or disagree, or want to expand? I'll open it up. Rita, Corrado, Dan, Trenton, anybody? Okay, I think what you said just stands on its own wonderful merit, Darwin. I'm going to move on. Rita Fisher sent me the following. Here's a, this is another very good provocative statement. She says, the future of work is being redefined every day. 
all businesses need to re-examine their people strategy to best position themselves for the future. Rita, please tell us more. So, so I'll start with example. Uh, as we're implementing robotics and intelligence factory and IoT in our factories, we're seriously starting to look at what kind of uh, people we will need in the, in the factories. Uh, dependency on manual labor is drastically being reduced. In some instances, totally eliminated. Where in the past we were using uh, people to help us respond to situations, now we have intelligent solutions where we predict 10 to 20 minutes prior to our lines go down. Mm. So with that being the case, how do we redefine what people do? How do we use human creativity, their relentless innovation in a different way? How do we think about the new digital talent? Do we Mm -hmm. consider our robots to be our talent force as well? What talent will make our company successful? Those are all the questions that I'm asking myself and thinking about what does kinetic really mean to us and how do we become a constantly evolving enterprise? Wonderful, and I'm glad you brought up the idea of robots in the digital workforce and the bot workforce, Rita. Big questions on a lot of people's mind, concerned about the future of their careers, their jobs, where they're going, what their children are going to be doing for their work careers. Very interesting. Let me open it up. Anybody want to have a comment about what Rita said? Corrado, Dan, Trenton, Diana, Darwin? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll speak up to this, Trenton. Uh, I, I think that... that you know, to, to hear about robotics and the future of, of AI, I think there's a, there's a lot of busy work uh, in companies today mm-hmm. uh, and a lot of very repetitive, you know, manual tasks that still take place and drag companies down. Uh, and for the kinetic enterprise to be successful and be dynamic as it needs to be, we're going to need things like AI and machine learning to actually automate and or perform those repetitive tasks so that the people can actually perform the more you know, highly trained skills of, of, of the future and, and be thinkers, not just doers. And so the busy work kind of has to get out of our way. And unfortunately, uh, a, lot of, a lot of enterprises carry around an anchor uh, of, of sort of legacy, and that's, that's the tough stuff we've got to get kind of remove, remove that barrier so we can move on with a more dynamic enterprise. Thank you. Anybody else want to chime in? Rita. Hey, Bonnie. Oh, yeah. Um, the, if I could share an observation between yes. what Corrado, Rita, and, and, and um, Dan and Trendon shared, you, you can see in, in this panel, they're looking at AI as an opportunity, as a need, as opposed to looking at it as a threat, which is mm-hmm. you know, a prevailing notion among certain executives, right? So yes. that, I, I think that's very enlightening in terms of how the right mindset to navigate this disruption. Very good point. I'm going to steal a line here from Corrado's talking points. Corrado, you don't need to talk of this. I, I'm picking something else for you. But this goes with, I think, what Darwin just emphasized. You say automation and intelligence will continue to expand their footprint in the enterprise. But ultimately, what determines success or failure is still your people. That's what we're talking about. I'm going to move on. Anybody have any other comments about uh, Rita's comment and everybody else's? Because I'm ready to pick something interesting from Corrado. Are we all good? We're all good. Corrado told me the following. We need to foster ideation at scale. 
empower your team to explore ideas without fear of failure. This develops a kinetic or responsive mindset, which will only help your business in the long run. Corrado, great statement. Tell us more, please. Yes. <clears throat> Actually, this can, this can also become controversial. So I'll explain. Mm-hmm. I really think that um, the secret recipe to really become kinetic and responsive is to innovate. But in a, in a company, in order to innovate, you need to create the right culture and the right mindset. Okay? So there are companies where every investment has to be tied to an ROI or to a success or to, to, some, to some financial parameters. But this, uh, my experience is that this stifles innovation. So innovation is to be something different where you can actually foster the culture of uh, experimenting. So there is, uh, there is this idea of fail fast if you need to fail, but mm-hmm. experiment, try the unexpected. Otherwise, uh, you, will, you will never uh, create a revolution, but just the evolution of what you're doing. So, so, so here is my, the idea is you need to find a way to empower people to innovate and not to be afraid of risking, because if they're afraid of uh, a failure, they will not risk enough. You will not innovate enough. Your company 10 years from now will not exist anymore. Well, the handwriting is on the wall, and a lot of companies have already experienced that. They know all too well that the the doors are shuttered and the the logos are gone. Anybody want to comment on some very provocative statements by Corrado? I would I would just add to Corrado's yes. statement around a disruptive culture. I, I think sometimes we get lost in disruption as it being a large, um, massive change to either an industry or an organization, but really disruptive culture starts with internally as well, thinking about even small things and the way you can change and disrupt the way your processes and or business is running internally to drive that culture so we can get people thinking large scale um, in the end state. So we just have to remember that it's, it's the small through the large for disruption. Good point. Anybody want to comment on that? I want to. I want to add yes. one more comment, um, sure. and it has a lot to do. I think we talked about culture. We also Karada spoke to fail fast experimentation, but when you start looking at all our companies and what we measure, we continue measuring ROI on investment. So, what if we start measuring speed and agility in a new way, and we lead by example? What if we, as a leaders of each one of our companies, start to introduce measures and start to help people understand why this is becoming more critical as we're trying not to be disrupted by others? Great points. Anybody else? Okay, I'm looking at a statement here from Dan Hurley, and this is interesting. I don't think we've quite approached it this way before, Dan, so let me read this and you'll explain, and then we'll open it up. You say, an ever-increasing trend of experiential consumer behavior and immediate gratification requires an adaptable technology strategy that focuses on reusability, ease of integration, and AI, ML, that's artificial intelligence machine learning, to be in the forefront of cross-industry trends. Dan, that is packed with so many buzzes in there and so many good thoughts. What do you unpack? As they say on the news, let's unpack this. Dan Hurley, go ahead. 
So when I think about that statement, it's really about the way our consumers are changing and the way that they're mm-hmm. they're looking for experiences. Um, it's it's not so much about brands anymore. It's about what that brand can provide from an experience perspective to the consumer. And as we think about our technology strategy and our technology stacks on how we support that, um, it's 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 the need for that immediate gratification. Um, just changes the the speed at which we need to deliver that experience to a consumer. And as you start thinking about whether it's virtual reality, whether it's um, the way that even even we send media out to consumers, we need to continue the change and to adapt to what that consumer is looking for. Those that get stuck, I think, in the old ways of of even just consumer interaction is going to miss the boat on how we, we deal with those experiences to the consumer. Um, and I think the, the more and the more that experience has become the forefront, the more technology is going to be based on how we provide that. Great points in there. Anybody want to comment on any part of that, the trend yeah. in experiential behavior? Go ahead. Yeah, this is Trenton. Uh, just, mm-hmm. you know, I think one of the things that, that you know, from our consumer consumer lives that, you know, the, the enterprise hasn't hasn't figured out is that our consumer lives are led by technologies that anticipate and our enterprises is, are set up with technologies that react. And for, for the kinetic enterprise to take off and us to be more dynamic and agile, I think we have a lot to learn from, you know, the apps and technology we use in our per, uh, personal lives that, you know, set our priorities, define some schedules, anticipate what our next move is going to be. And that's going to be very important. And a lot of that is, is bundled into the AI machine learning discussion, I think. I agree. Anybody else want to comment on anything? Anybody? Uh, par- Go ahead. I hear somebody. Go ahead. Who do I hear? I was just going to say, um, yes. uh, Bonnie, this is Darwin. I was yes. just going to say that you know, the Dredden's comment about um, anticipate versus uh, react is very, very interesting because mm-hmm. um, there are many instances where we're seeing that now in the workplace, right? The use, the, the traditional challenge of well, um, you need to know finance, and therefore you need to know um, uh, the corresponding system, be it SAP or something else. And now there's a move towards, you know what, why don't we democratize that and just provide a finance workspace that allows you to do what you need to do from a pure finance perspective, independent of the technology. And I know Trenton um, uh, can share more perspective on that, but I, I think that that's actually very, there's a direct correlation between anticipating the needs versus just reacting. Mm-hmm. Trenton, you've been summoned. Comments? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, you know, on on average, I think uh, it's it's no, it's been said that you use eight to nine applications a day in your your sort of business world, and and for us to expect that that each individual employee is going to be an expert with those eight to nine applications is is kind of ridiculous. And um, what we need to do is get to uh, a space where smarter workspaces, intelligent workspaces that actually provide guided days of workflow versus searching for information and making people less productive in, in the workforce. And you know, Darwin said it. Said it, said it exactly. So why why do we need to have someone understand, for instance, that what system you're using for HR and know the intricacies of that system when really they just want to take off a PTO day? Uh, and there, there's no need to be experts on these systems. So I think there's a lot of simplification that could be done and um, creating the um, the more intelligent workspace of the future. 
Okay. And uh, Trenton, that's a perfect segue into your notes you sent me before the show, and you are focusing on work and workplace and people. So let me read. I'm going to combine two of your statements together, and Mm -hmm. let's see if you can comment additionally on these. First of all, you say work continues to evolve, and how people work has been changing at a faster pace than ever. And then you add, work styles and models are providing more freedom and flexibility today. This introduces challenges for an enterprise in securing valuable assets while adapting to the new work style. So I'm going to ask you to unpack that, please, Trenton. Yeah, and, and you know, I'll, I'll state it kind of uh, plainly that work is pretty frustrating for people today. And it's not because they dislike their jobs or because they're, um, you know, they, they become disengaged. And I think, I think it was mentioned earlier around, you know, employee experience is an important part of driving the future, future of work and, and the future workplace. And, what, what, what I'm, uh, you know, what I, what I kind of mentioned in there is that the future work is really around simplifying people's day-to-day activities, getting rid of that busy work. Why, why should we be so hung, hung up on the, the 15 different screens we got to go to to process an order when really all we're trying to do is close out an order as a supply chain management, you know, resource or employee? How do I add AI into that supply chain management process so that? Uh, again, we can anticipate what's going to happen with that order and put put uh, the thinking, again, back into the employees of our company so that they can better uh, respond and react to business conditions, not respond and react to the busyness of their days. Uh, and, and I think that employee experience will, will do a couple things. One is it's going to drive a more engaged employee base, which is going to drive better productivity and drive better uh, better results for companies. This is a fact and been proven that, the, the higher higher engagement of employees yields greater business results for, for companies. And the second part of it is it's going to actually drive a, a, a better skills match of what employees of the future should be doing and where we should be going. Uh, and I think it drive a longevity of careers for people in, in the different uh, workforces during this extreme talent war that exists in the world today. Thank you very much. Anybody want to comment on the talent war and anything that Trenton just shared? Yeah. Yes, actually, I want to add a comment, Corrado, here. So, Please. The, the comment is this. I mean, it's very easy when talking about uh, the kinetic enterprise to immediately jump into the conclusion that this is about how your company can be so responsive to win with the competition. I guess what we're, do, we're saying here is that the kinetic, kinetic enterprise is to win also with the employees. So we have to provide the technology landscape and the user experience that delights our, our colleagues because otherwise – they will go somewhere else. And as we said at the beginning, without the right people, there is no chance we're going to win. Mm-hmm. And that's part of the talent war is keeping, finding the talent, retaining them, keeping them happy, and keeping them at their most productive and most engaged. I think that sums it up. Darwin, we actually have time to go around the table, hopefully one more time with more statements. So I'm going to pick and choose here where we go, but I'm going to start with you. The second statement you sent me, we haven't really covered this yet, and I think it will be provocative for the panel. You say, in a few short years... China will become the largest economy, followed not by the U.S., but by India. Global trade dynamics, geopolitical implications, demand businesses have the ability to pivot as the global global theater evolves. That's a mouthful. Darwin, unpack this for me, please. 
Yeah, what I was attempting to share was, you know, one of the biggest sources of disruption that are macro forces that are not just easily controlled, right? So in contrast to what Dan was sharing earlier about this, you know, small bites of disruption, we're talking macro disruption. But what's interesting is if you pay attention, this soon-to-be biggest economies in China and India, the size of the economy is directly related to the population growth and globalization. At the same time, you have people like Jack Ma and Elon Musk talking about population mm-hmm. collapse in China. What they mean is that China's previous attempts at population control is poised to backfire due to the aging population. So all of that to say, if you build your business on labor arbitrage in China and India, what happens when you need to move to Southeast Asia or Africa? What happens when labor arbitrage is no longer required because we have developed the AI and robotics capabilities to the extent that it really minimizes the need for cheaper labor? Right. So these are just different factors that come into play that really make the case for, you know what, you really need to think about how to make your business kinetic. Thank you. Anybody want to talk about global business and that ability to be agile and nimble and pivot? Anybody else? No comments? Okay. I'm going to move on to another interesting one Rita Fisher sent me. Rita, you say diversity and inclusion have become a minimum requirement. All businesses need to reflect the diversity of the real world and harness the best human talent regardless of, and the list goes on, ethnicity, gender, religion, skin color, or political belief. Rita, you want to tell us a little bit more, please? Yes, as, as, as all of us already talked about what it takes to be, to create a kinetic enterprise, the best, uh, the best position we have is our people. And it's all about the talent. And it's not only the talent, but the diversity of talent. It's the inclusion of their ideas. It's the different thoughts that matter. Um, it's about how do you bring the best in human creativity to the table. Um, one of uh, one of my colleagues said, "You must unlearn what you have learned." And I mm-hmm. think the best way to do that is when we are different, when we are diverse, when we have a different points of view, and we allow each other to contribute and participate to the fullest, and we accept different points of view and different ideas. I think the one thing I, uh, the last uh, point I want to make, uh, we're going to the world where nobody has been in. Um, so for us. Who really has the right answer? Who really has the best plan? Um, I think it's coming up with a exper- experiment. It's about creating it. It's about innovating. It's about trying things we haven't done before. That was beautifully put, Rita. You gave me goosebumps there. It, it, it really is true. Who really knows what the right answer is? We could almost end the show on that note. That's very. The point is just to keep moving, keep that kinetic energy going, right, Darwin? Uh, Corrado, I'm looking at your notes here. Here's something we haven't touched on a lot yet. Uh, you say data has become the most important asset in any company. Your ability to govern, consume, integrate, and generate insight from your data determines your success. Data, data, data. Corrado, talk to me. 
Yeah, I mean, this is very close to my heart. I, I really believe that uh, IT as a function so in the past uh, 20 years, we have uh, spent most of our careers uh, digitizing business processes, right? So converting from uh, pen and paper into applications, and these applications uh, generate a lot of data. So now it's the second part of our journey. Understand what this data means, uh, try and infer insights that are hidden in the data so, so that our companies can make decisions on how to do things better, faster, or cheaper. So everything now in this uh, second part of our IT journey, that's how I call it, is about mm -hmm. data. But the data, I mean, has to, the, the model that I like to, to, to use in this case is a 3C model that uh, I heard the conference is you need to capture the data, curate the data, and then consume the data. So everything mm -hmm. starts with capturing the data and curating the data. So governance around the data is uh, of uh, monumental importance. Otherwise, you will not be able to consume the data in the right way and uh, generate the right insights. Very interesting. Thank you. Three C's model. Anybody want to comment on that? Darwin, you're a data guy. Anything you want to say about the three C's model for data and how important it is? I, I I think it absolutely makes sense. It absolutely makes sense. And if we combine Corrado's points on data with what Rita was describing about no one knows and that really that beginner's mindset, quote unquote, if you will, um, I think that's that's a that's a good formula to follow for any business. Thank you very much. Anybody else have any comments on that? Anybody on data? Uh, I, I, I want to add a couple pieces to the, what Carada yep. said. Uh, this is Rita. I asked top three of my customers where we're going together and how do we get there. And all three of them have answered precision and acceleration. And all that means is to be more precise, to look deeper at the data, to better understand the details, um, to set... Um, to, to better understand what's driving our behaviors and how do we compete in the marketplace differently. And I do believe and 100% agree with Karada. The only way you can get to precision and acceleration is with data and analytics. And again, creating lighter solutions, self-learning solutions, the solutions that give us the deeper insights. Thank you, Rita. Anybody else, any data comments? Okay, I'm moving on. Dan, here's something interesting, talking about we're going to back it up from data and go into technology. Technology transformations must be scalable by their very nature, or the cycle of investment in the back end of the business will continue to dominate resource utilization. I think that's uh, handwriting is on the wall there. Dan, please expand for me. Yeah, this is about the shift of the way you use your resources, both from a, from a people and a dollars perspective, and really getting into the differentiators of your business, and less about some of the more commodity-based processes where either uh, robotics can be used, AI, different components to make things easier and faster, um, and take that work element out of it and shift the focus to what's going to really change the bottom line in your organization and keeping the more standard processes simple um, and less, less uh, investment uh, to drive what is just normal commodity-based transactions in your business. Thank you. Anybody else have any comments? Darwin, I'd love for you to comment on technology transformations. Thoughts? I, I actually want to ask that question about that because it, it may be more broadly, uh, this thought was triggered when Rita made a comment earlier about maybe we should actually 
proactively change how we measure things, right? Which resonates really with me. And and to that end, then um, I understand the perspective on um, you know scalability and managing um, you know the, the 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 scarcity of resources. Um, but do you think businesses should start to look at whether the incremental traditional strap plan driven approach to resource appropriation is still the right model given the current business environment or is that taking it too far no i think i think you you drive a valid point there and i think you have to do some level of strat planning at the resource model so that you can understand what your future state may be but it's got to be fully understanding that a year from now could be drastically different than what you thought so it's more assumption based and then you, it's really about providing what that future state may look like to the organization so you can start building out your your skill sets your vendor partnership relationships um but in the end it's got to be both scalable up and down which is an important part of scalability as your business changes you may change the direction your organization may be going you may be changing the way your strategy may be going from a technology perspective and that scalability has got to be adaptable both ways thank you any other comments about that everybody good Okay, moving along. Trenton, I'm in your notes here. You are focusing on work, workplace, and people, but I have a very provocative statement, your third statement. I'm just going to go ahead and read it and see what you have to say. You say, work sucks, and technology has not solved the problem. In fact, it continues to drag efficiencies of today's organizations. Well, my goodness, Trenton, you got to tell us what you mean by this. Yeah, I mean, it, it goes back to you know, every every company has people with extreme superpowers, and rather than using those superpowers for the organization, they're wasting time on low-value administrative tasks or searching for information across multiple systems and technologies, or, or worse yet, they, they're trying to regain focus because they've been distracted by so many different interruptions of, of different messaging apps and or notifications across the different platforms that have been built. And Unfortunately, the the problem technology originally was meant to solve of productivity and in the enterprise, uh, we've actually done exact opposite. And uh, we're at a point in time now where people are spending more money on technology to solve technology problems, not solving the productivity problems that exist in the enterprise. And this is going to be extremely critical uh, to to achieve the kinetic enterprise and and move to the, to a future workplace that is productive, uh, efficient, and secure. Thank you very much. Any comments from anybody on the work sucks comment? You know I was going to ask that one, Dar, when we talked about that for the show. Anybody else have uh, yeah. any thoughts? Yep, go ahead. Well, I, th- th- this is Corrado. I wanted to mm-hmm. confirm that, yes, work sucks, first of all. <laughs> and the second thing I wanted to say is that I, I, I think we, we are creating, actually, our own, our own issues in technology. So going back to the user experience thing, right? We, as a technology function, are offering to our employees, okay, solutions or applications according to how the technology industry is producing them, okay? Not according to how the employee wants to consume them. So we end up with seven different applications to run a business process just because there are seven companies, each of which does a little fee, a little, you know, a small piece of it. We, we need to flip our mindset. 
So this should be part of our kinetic approach in, in, in IT. You know, we have to flip, we have to think with the end in mind. What is the person trying to accomplish? If, mm-hmm. I mean, a person was mentioning, if the person wants to take a PTO day, it has to be super simple, not three logins <laughs> into three different systems, one to request, the other to approve, and so on. So this is something to reflect by ourselves, I think. That was a great reality check. You were yeah. so right. Uh, go ahead, Rita. I want to yep. add one other one. <laughs> so over the years, a lot of us have spent a lot of career building a pretty complex, integrated, future-proof solutions. And the moment, you know, I spent a lot of time uh, implementing and re-implementing SAP and JDA and a lot of pretty complex systems, and a lot of us are living with it. And as I moved to the business function, I very quickly realized that a lot of folks are spending a lot of time looking for data, following some crazy steps that were created by complexity that's absolutely not necessary. Mm -hmm. And thinking what Kinetic brings to us and how my thinking is changing as I'm moving forward is I'm putting from this future-proof, complex integrations to light, simple, and frictionless, where data flows, where money flows, where material flows, where we're creating, I I don't want to say recreating Apple um, and all our favorite apps we have, but based on what Carlotta said, the, the, the steps need to be simple. The things have to flow, and they need to be light, very light, and living, and self-learning, and not solving every problem at once. I haven't figured out how to do that yet, but there is a dream. <laughs> you know, one, one other point, I, I think, to highlight on what Rita said there. Um, is, you know, we as technology professionals have done wonders at connecting transactions and technology architecture, but mm-hmm. we've, we've really done poorly, and this is an area where I think is, is going to be important of connecting people and integrating people more so in the future is, is going to be an important part of, of the future of work and making the kinetic enterprise a reality. Very well put. We have time for me to introduce one topic quickly. It's Darwin. It's from your list. And then I know we didn't plan on this, but I'm going to go around the table and ask each of you for a two-sentence prediction about the future of the kinetic enterprise. So just just think about that. Uh, but, Darwin, this is a statement you made that we could revolve a whole show around this. You say social media, new retail, artificial intelligence, AR, VR, are creating a social business environment that is very fragile. Traditional brand, R&D, sales channels, IT, and other functions are ill-equipped to cope. Oh, my goodness. Could we just get a quick comment from you on that, Darwin? And then we're going to – you can give your kinetic enterprise prediction, and then we'll go around the table. So we have four minutes left. Go ahead, Darwin. Yeah, no. Um, happy to, Bonnie. So I, I think Dan covered this a little bit in his discussion about um, engaging the consumer um, mm-hmm. because I really think that – Retail and consumer businesses are most affected by this. Yeah, for the last hundred years, the big three advantages of any retail consumer business has been owning a brand, privatizing innovation, and controlling channels. Well, brand is now democratized, innovation is now crowdsourced, and channels are redefined every day, right? Uh, just look at what Amazon is doing and how it's forcing retail to evolve. 
Um, so you need to do a holistic review of your business to determine how to best pivot and how to accelerate your ability to pivot the next time. Because the reality is, I mean, the old norms, the old constraints, the mm-hmm. old guardrails are are disappearing. And they They're will gone. continue to disappear and evolve in a much faster pace than ever before. Thank you, Darwin. A one-sentence prediction. We're going to cap it to one sentence each person because we're now we're running out of time. Darwin Diano at Deloitte Consulting LLP. What's your prediction for the Kinetic Enterprise for the year 2020? Darwin, one sentence. I think that it's uh, it's an awakening. There will be an awakening of um, key industry leaders to become kinetic and pursue that um, as a re- as a response to just the constant pace of disruption. Thank you, Rita Fisher, Reynolds Consumer Products. One sentence prediction. Prediction about kinetic. Um, uh, this is a hard one. I would say um, relentless innovation customer obsession, and um, being open to um, to a complete change of pace. Thank you. Corrado Azarito, Kraft Heinz, one-sentence prediction. Well, uh, for us, this is simple. We will use technology to restart winning with our consumers again. Beautiful. Dan Hurley, Constellation Brands, prediction. I think you're going to see a shift in smaller companies uh, that embrace kinetic energy where large companies were protected by barriers of entry. You're going to start Mm. to see those companies that have less legacy um, structure underneath it having more advantages to to push to a kinetic enterprise. Thank you. Trenton Cycle. Citrix, one, one sentence. What do you say? Employee experience wins and technology will finally deliver on intelligent workspaces that can drive productivity for the enterprise. There you go. I cannot thank the five of you enough for being such an articulate, savvy, engaged, and engaging panel. Darwin, you invited some major thought leaders here. I'm, I'm very, very proud to be hosting the show. Darwin Diano at Deloitte Consulting, Rita Fisher at Reynolds Consumer Products, Corrado Azarita at Kraft Heinz, Dan Hurley at Constellation Brands, and Trenton Cycle at Citrix. I want to thank the five of you for being wonderful guests. And I have to do a big shout out and a huge hug to three people at Deloitte who helped put this whole thing together, our ideators, our sponsors. We have Malia Aguilar. Malia, thank you for all of the constant thread of keeping me up to date. Carla Neal Slavin and Helen Thomas, thank you so much for believing in me and allowing me the privilege of hosting this series. To our listeners, there will be a lot more coming up in 2020. The theory is the kinetic enterprise built to evolve. You all need to embrace this in your businesses all over the world. Bonnie D. Graham signing off. Thank you so much, everybody. Happy New Year. Happy decade. Remember, the kinetic enterprise built to evolve. Be there. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the kinetic enterprise built to evolve presented by Deloitte. Be sure to join host Bonnie D. Graham next Friday at 6 a.m. Pacific Time and 9 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Deloitte can help you reimagine everything in order to get the most out of your SAP investments and position your business for tomorrow's demands. Learn more at Deloitte.com SAP. This program is copyright Deloitte Development, LLC. All rights reserved.